Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Today's guest with me is a remarkable young woman who started writing poetry as a means to help her combat the challenges of depression. Those personal expressions of her inner mind transformed into online posts and an Instagram feed that have been followed by thousands of individuals. Six years later, Caroline has published two books of poetry and is currently studying at Harvard University. Welcome to Perspectives, Caroline, and thank you so much for joining me and my listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. So, Caroline, you've been, you're a sophomore at Harvard now? Is I'm that a right? junior, actually. You're a junior. Okay. Yes. So, could you have imagined that this is where you would be, or had you imagined that this is where you wanted to be six years ago when you first started writing this poetry? Absolutely not. Um, I was actually pre-med for most of my life, um, oh. even up until like a year ago. Okay. I, really thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, and so writing really came out of left side for me. Um, it really, I did not expect it to have such a big impact in my life. Um, and I never thought I would love it as much as I do. Um, and it really, over the past few years, has really just completely took, taken over my life and in a good way, in an amazing way. And I'm really, really grateful for where I am right now. Wow. So what was your inspiration to be pre-med all those years? Um, I, I think I've, I've always just wanted to do something where I was helping people. That was really the main underlying theme behind it. And I wanted to be doing something professional and I really, the idea of getting to help people, um, through being a doctor and through medicine, like really appealed to me. And I think that, um, finding a way to help people that was in other ways and finding a way to help people through writing has really just been like um, really eye-opening to me to see that there are just so many ways to achieve that. Um, yeah. And, and there, are, there are so many avenues to helping others and it sounds like the work you've done has, is really touching many. I know I've read through your book, When the World Didn't End, and I was floored by your poems. They are just, they're very deep, they're meaningful, some are really short, and they just, they, they're just very striking. So I'm hoping throughout the show that you will um, read a few of them for us. Um, but I want to step back a little bit and talk about uh, this, how it all started, how you started writing poetry. Um, what you know, I, I know that it has to do with you were going through a depression, but maybe you can sort of talk us through that, how all that started and how it evolved. Um, I think that I was really, depression started pretty young for me, so young that I really had no idea it was happening. So um, how old were you? I was probably about 12 when I first started developing depression pretty badly. Um, and... I was, I was like in seventh or eighth grade and um, they don't really talk about mental illness um, when you're that young at all. Um, and I really had no idea what was happening. I didn't know why I was feeling that way. I didn't know um, what I could do to help, what I could do to change it. Like I just was upset at the world that I felt that way. And I was upset at myself for feeling that way. And I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. Um, can, you, can you describe for the listeners what, how depression felt to you? Because it does manifest in different ways in different people. I think that the biggest striking detail to me was that um, every summer I went to sleep boy camp. And it was my favorite place in the entire world. It was my happy place. I lived the entire year just to go to camp over the summer um I and 
it was like one summer I was just there and I was just not happy. And I was so confused. And I was like, why is this thing that I've always loved so much? Why is this thing that used to give me like the most amount of joy that like anything could possibly give me in the world? Like, why am I sitting here now? And why am I not happy? Why um, can I not be happy? Why is this like, why am I not feeling happy right now? And it was really upsetting for me to just like be in the situation where I know that I should be happy. And I know that like, I would be happy and like, it's something that would always make me happy. Um, and I was just like, I was just sitting there and I like, didn't feel any of it. Um, and I think that it's, that's actually a very like common thing with depression is like not getting joy from things you used to really get joy from. Right. Um, and that was really striking to me. And it was really frustrating for me because I didn't, I think that one is really hard for people to understand or deal with because it doesn't make any logical sense. It doesn't make any logical sense that like something that like always makes you happy just doesn't anymore. Um, and it's and different from them. Like just like being sad about something. It's like not, it's the inability to be happy. And were you able to talk to your fellow campers or counselors or anybody or not really. Like I, I really didn't feel like I could talk to anyone. Um, and that's how I started writing is that I felt like I had no one to talk to. And so I would just pull out a journal and just streamline like stream of consciousness, write down anything that I was thinking. Um, because it was, a, it felt like a way to get out everything that I was feeling. Um, because I felt like I couldn't really talk to anyone about it because no one would understand. Um, yeah. Did you, did you try or did you just decide that nobody would understand? I think that I did try a little bit. Um, but I think that I also felt like I had to be happy. Um, I was known as a kid as like the happiest kid. I was always so happy and so outgoing and so excited and so energetic. And like, that was who I was growing up. And like, that is who I was known as to not just the other kids around me, but to like the adults around me. Um, and so I didn't really feel like I could be sad or I should be sad. Like I didn't really feel like that was something I was allowed to be. Um, just because everyone was sort of expecting and sort of knew me as this really happy kid. Right. That's a lot of pressure. That sounds like a lot of pressure for <laughs> a 12 year old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I didn't actually, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to be that kid as well. Right. Um, but it really, I was so, I really didn't know any better. I didn't really think about it very much. I just knew that like, I should be happy and I didn't understand and I wanted to be happy and I didn't understand why I wasn't. So I just sort of pretended to be. Oh, that was going to be my next question because you're at camp and you're surrounded by these other kids and everyone's pretty much together, I would imagine. Um, so I would have thought people would notice. Did people, did anybody notice or were you able to mask it really well? Um, I think a few people noticed, but I really tried to downplay it when they did notice it. Okay. Um, and I tried to, I really tried to make people think that I was okay and that I, it was just like feeling a little down in the dumps and that I was fine. Um, and I think that for a long time, for a few years, it wasn't until a few years I think I tried to downplay it because I didn't want it to be a big thing either. Um, sure. And it took me a few years to really admit that like I had an issue and that this was something that I like needed professional help for um, because I sort of just told everyone like, it's fine. It's fine. Like I'm feeling better actually. Like it's okay. Um, and I didn't think it was something that I needed really help with. I didn't want to ask for help. I've never been good with asking for help. Um, 
And what about your family? What about your um, your parents? If you have, do you have siblings? Um, I think that they also knew that I wasn't doing that well, but I also was really, I didn't want to talk about it. And they knew that I didn't want to talk about it. And they, they were not trying to push it. And they, I would get upset if they, I remember that when I was 12, they first put me into therapy. Uh Um, and I was not happy about it and I was upset and I was like lying and saying that I was fine and I was doing everything I could to get out of it because I wasn't ready to admit that I actually had an issue. Um, and so I think they, they really did as much as they could. Um, but at the end of the day, like, um, no one is going to, you can't force someone to get better. You can't force someone to recover. Um, and I think that this was really a true example of that. Absolutely. So in my in my mental health practice, um, I I actually work with a lot of middle schoolers and high schoolers, and there are many instances where the parents do do bring their children in to see me. But if the individual is not ready to talk about it or ready to face whatever situation they are facing it's impossible to help them. So the individual really does have to be ready um, and willing to share with, with an outsider. Um, So that's, that's a great point. So you started writing sort of stream of consciousness type things and how did it transform for you um, into all these poems? And how did you get to the point where you were posting and posting them online? Um, my freshman year of high school, um, I had been writing for myself and I had seen other people on social media sites, um, sort of start posting their writing and sort of post their poetry. And it was really mainly teenage girls. Um, and it was mainly them talking about things anonymously Mm -hmm. that they felt like they couldn't say to the people around them in real life um, or they were also dealing with similar things and I saw people posting about the things they were going through and then getting comments or leaving comments for other people Um, like they would post something about um, something they were struggling with and they would get a few comments being like I totally understand this I have been there before Um, this makes so much sense to me I'm going through the same exact thing And just the idea of, like, having some sort of community Mm -hmm. where other people were saying, I've been through this too, you're not alone. Like, that, I wanted to be a part of something like that so badly. Um, And um, that's mainly why I first started posting it online freshman year of high school, was because I wanted um, there to be people I wanted to be able to talk to people who were going through the same thing as I was and it felt very low pressure because people would post under pen names or um most a lot of people like I did would just sign their pieces with their initials instead of their name so that it would still be anonymous um so was it more comfortable because it was online and it wasn't a physical interaction you know it wasn't live in person yes definitely um I definitely felt like um there was a lot less pressure because not only was it online but I wasn't even using my name um and I could really just like go online and find people who understood what I was going through without having to like talk to the people I knew in real life or admit these things to the people I knew in real life so it's sort of like living a double life because your authentic self was um, posting online, but it sounds like you were still going through school and still putting on a, a mask of being a happy, adjusted teenager. Yeah, and exactly. That must have been exhausting. Yeah, um, it was. 
Um, I, it was, I think, somewhat of relief to go from hiding everything from every single aspect of my life to being able to be honest in one small channel of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But at some point it did become pretty tiring to feel like I could only say these things, these certain things, these specific things to online audiences or random people online instead of the people that I actually knew. Um, And I think that it sort of helps. I think that writing helped me realize that I needed to be more open and honest in every aspect of my life. I think that I started writing when I was 12. I started posting it um, the beginning of freshman year of high school. And I finally admitted that I needed therapy and I wanted to go to therapy um, starting sophomore year of high school. Um, And it took about a year of sort of being able to talk about those things, at least with someone or some people online Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, okay, like I, it took a lot of honestly um, seeing what other people were posting and seeing how I was reacting and seeing how I was saying like, keep yourself safe. Like maybe try and talk to someone in real life. Like I was giving that advice to other people right? Um, and realized that I sort of needed to take it myself too. Uh-huh. Um, and so we're, we're actually going to, I'm going to stop you right there. Um, we're going to go to a commercial break. So please stay tuned. I'm talking to Caroline Kaufman, poet and author and junior at Harvard University. If you have any questions, you can email me, Dr. Vidisha Patel at drvforkids at yahoo.com. And we will be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you stopped to think seriously about hypnosis? Hypnosis can set you on your way to better health, can free you from anxiety, phobias, and so much more. Join host Inez Simpson for Hypnosis Everywhere, Inez Simpson and the Simpson Protocol. This show is for anyone from the experienced hypnotist practitioner to the merely curious. Inez Simpson offers tools and insights from the whole world of hypnosis with guests and open discussions. Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol, airs live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number four, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm in conversation with Caroline Kaufman, a junior at Harvard University who's a poet and an author. So, Caroline, just before the break, you were talking about that transition um, from when you were posting online that you noticed you were giving advice to other people um, about 
seeking help. So can you continue from that thread and just explain how you finally came around to be willing and open to receive Um, help? Well, I think that something that um, I know, at least from my personal experience and the people that I've talked to, something very interesting about mental illness is being able to recognize it logically, but not with yourself, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I think that having an online community was so important to me Um, because it was basically this big community of teenage girls who were all going through similar things. And I would see what they would post and I would see the things that they would say. And um, I would logically be able to recognize it. And I would logically be able to, like try and offer advice to them and say, you know, like, like you are important. You are loved. Keep yourself safe. Like may, is there someone you can talk to? Is there like a school psychologist or counselor you can talk to? Like, it's important to talk with someone in real life about these things. Um, And saying that over and over so many times to the people around me Mm -hmm. um, and seeing the same thing said to me by those people really, made me realize that maybe I needed to take that advice too. Um, and at near the beginning of my sophomore year of high school, I finally told my parents that I, I didn't tell them, I told them I was like having some anxiety and wanted to, wanted to start talking to someone it was really all I said. Um, and through that I was able to, thankfully I was able to, um, like I started seeing a therapist and um, it was really, really difficult to sort of make that jump into therapy. And I don't think I really took it seriously mm-hmm. for the first few months. Um, but just the act of going and showing up um, every week, um, eventually I got more and more used to the idea and was able to start actually working on getting better. So how long do you think it was before you started to, to feel even marginally better? Um, a, f- a few months, honestly. I don't think it's a coincidence that I suffered with self-harm for years and years and that the last time I ever self-harmed up until this point was like four months into when I first started seeing a therapist. Um, Like that in my mind, it very much coincided with going to therapy and getting help. Um, I don't think, I think it was a slow process. I think it was a long process that I don't think really ever, maybe doesn't ever have an end point, but um, I definitely started seeing different, differences pretty soon into therapy, um, even if they were small. And talk a little bit about the self-harm. Did that start at the same time as you noticed these feelings of depression? I, yeah, I first, the first time myself, I was 11, which is the, the older I get and the, like, the older I get when I tell this story, the more baffling it is to me, like that age because it just seems younger and younger um, as I get older. Um, but yeah, um, I was 11 when I first self-harmed and I pretty much from 11 up until I was 15 or so, um, I struggled with that a lot. And was there any, any incident that you remember from your childhood around then that that got you started on that road of self-harm? I, I've thought about this a lot and I really don't, I don't know how I knew what that was. I don't know why. I just know that I, like I knew it was something that people did to feel better. And where would you have heard about that from? I don't, I really don't remember where I had heard about it from um but I just remember like it started out like very small in but just sort of 
in ways of like, I tell that there's like one of the oldest poems I've ever written is mm -hmm. like, is this thing that I remember from childhood where like I stubbed my toe really bad and like it really hurt. And some adult was telling me, Oh, like bite on your finger because then you'll forget about the pain that you're like feeling in your foot is because you're be focusing on like you're biting your finger and then you'll feel that and you'll forget about the other pain. Interesting. Like, to take is, one pain away about by focusing on another. Did you, is that poem included in your collection of poems? Um, no, I think, but if you go on my Instagram and like scroll all the way back to the very beginning, I think it's like the first or second poem I ever posted. Um, yeah. And do you have any poems that um, reflect on this self-harm that you would be willing to read to us? <laughs> um, I would have to go back. I think I really kept a lot of the more graphic poems out of the published collections. Okay. Well, because um, I think looking back, a lot of it, I don't want to say that it was glorifying it because I was going through it and it was how I was trying to make sense of it in my head. Right. Um, but it, I really tried to make sure that everything that I put in these books had a, some, at least some form of positive outlook or some sort of understanding that like those things weren't okay. Right. Um, because I don't want like a 12 year old to read my poetry and like, that's how they learn about self-harm and like, they hear, oh, that helps someone feel better, so I'm going to try that. Like, I never want that. Absolutely. Case. Absolutely. Um, Is there another poem that from, from early on from your collection that you would be willing to share with us? Um, sure. I mean... Like, do you have a favorite? Yes. There's so many of them. Um, in this most recent one? Uh-huh. Um... The one that you mentioned earlier is actually I have that I have that here ready to okay. read also. Um, I think that it touches on self harm, but also sort of what I was saying is trying to keep a self awareness. Um, right. Um, yeah. So when I was twelve, all the sharp objects were taken out of my room. No shaving razors no scissors, no thumbtacks, no staples. Anything I could possibly hurt myself with was held under lock and key. For all of high school, I could not cut out drawings or use a stapler without my mind wandering. We dissected frogs freshman year, and all I could think about was splaying myself open. It's strange now, to tack pictures up on my wall and not think anything of it. To pry a staple out and instinctively pull back my hand when I feel the sharp edge poking into my skin. It's strange, but it's freeing. Thumbtacks are just thumbtacks. Staples are just staples. And nothing else ever crosses my mind. That's beautiful. And you've come so far. Do you, um, what do you feel when you read this particular poem about a time in your life from four years ago, really, is when you stopped doing this, correct? Almost five. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I almost get sad. I'll think a lot, and I think you see it a lot in this recent collection, that a lot of my recovery has sort of focused around like my younger self and who I was when I was younger and like I have sort of a dissociation between who I am now and like this 13 year old girl who was living her life and when I read something like this I just feel like I just want to give this 13 year old girl I just want to hug her I just want like it is unbelievable to me that I was so young and thinking this way. 
Um, and it's unbelievable to me how like clouded depression can make your mind. Um, and like how blinded it can make you to like reality and logic and like the logic of like, like, I didn't think it was possible to get better. I didn't think I was ever going to be happy again. Um, like logically genuinely did not think that I like had a future where like I could be happy. And now that I am like sitting here and living it, um, I just feel so much like heaviness in my heart um, for the little girl who like truly did not think it was ever going to get better. Um, And that's sort of what I feel when I read this. Wow. So if you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell her? I, I would tell her that there, I would tell her that she is going to meet so many amazing people and who she can trust and who love her for who she is. And that includes all the bad days. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like even tearing up right now. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. No, I don't no, care. it's it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> I, um, I just, I am in a really great place in my life right now. Um, and I never ever thought I would, I would be anywhere close to here. And I would just tell her that that mental illness sucks and it's not <laughs> anything that I still haven't gotten over it and I still have my bad days and I'm still in therapy and I'm still taking medication and I don't know I don't know how long I will have to be doing that. I may have to do that for the rest. I don't I really don't know. Um but that it's possible to live a healthy and happy and passionate life despite all of those things um you don't like I don't know I didn't think that that was really the main thing that I never believed would be possible and I also think that if I told my younger self this she wouldn't believe me and I know she wouldn't believe me and like that's okay um because I at least like I have the hindsight like I for like I like I know now um logically sorry I, um well you know your your younger self is very lucky to have you cuz you are remarkable your journey is amazing that you've you've gone through this journey and how much you've learned from it but not just how much you've learned for yourself but how much you're sharing with everybody else i mean the fact that you're willing to share your innermost thoughts through your poetry with the rest of the world um, is amazing. If you, if you think back to how you described your younger self is afraid to even say, admit to anyone, let alone yourself, what you were feeling. Yeah. So um, I, I am just, amazed by you I think you're remarkable and what you've accomplished already is really remarkable Thank so you. we're, oh, you're welcome we're gonna go to a short commercial break so don't go away we'll be right back to talk some more about how poetry has helped Caroline maneuver her way through her depression and about how she's been sharing her story with the world so we'll be right back to perspectives Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you living a healthy and fit lifestyle? It's not just related to your physical well-being. It also means a healthier mind, confidence, improved health, stamina, and fitness. Talking with Tremaine brings it all to you. 
Host Tremaine Ellis, along with her husband and co-host David Ellis, will offer support, advice, guidance, and motivation to keep you in your best shape, both physically and mentally. Talking with Tremaine can be heard live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're listening to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Please get in touch with me via email at drvforkids at yahoo.com with any questions or comments. I'm here talking with Caroline Kaufman, poet and author of two books of her collection of poetry. So the second segment was a little bit... um, emotional and I really appreciate your your honesty and sharing your thoughts because I think it's really important for listeners young and old to understand what mental health challenges can look like and um, that it's okay that lots of people have these challenges and I think when I hear you talk about how you couldn't share this when you were younger and that you sort of wanted it to go away, maybe um, that's always hard to hear because um, no one should feel sad. No one has to, if there's people and there are people around to help and support. So, um, so I appreciate your being able to share that. Um, But let's talk about, let's talk about your, poetry as it's evolved have you noticed a shift in how it's evolved and do you continue to write and how do you continue to write um I think honestly I definitely have noticed a shift um I think even in my recovery there was a shift um I don't think I was the first one to notice it um but a few years after I made my account when I was sort of a junior or senior in high school um I would start to get messages on Instagram that were like, I just scrolled through your entire account and reading how your perspective on life or like how you're feeling has like seeing you recover in real time, like seeing maybe like one happy piece and then later there's another and then there's another and then there's another and like slowly seeing happiness sort of come into your writing like has really inspired me and I don't think I noticed that and it's I think that recovery is such a slow process that like you yourself wouldn't personally notice it but I very I think it's very evident now if you go back to the very beginning of my account and like look through everything like Mm -hmm. it it is a steady progression and like that is definitely a change that I've seen in my writing um is just sort of the perspective on life and like the self-awareness that I've sort of gotten through therapy. And um, I think that's very evident in my writing. And I think also like 
once I came to college. I had never taken a poetry workshop before. I had never learned how to write poetry in high school or taken a creative writing class in high school. Um, and so when I got to college, like I took like creative writing courses for the first time in my life. Um, and I think that's mainly with within my second book. Um, a lot of the pieces that I wrote that are in the second book are actually pieces that I wrote like in classes, like in specific poetry workshop classes that I've never taken before. And I think that I've definitely seen a change in my, my writing through that. Um, also, like, I think that I'm one of the reasons I'm proud of my, this most recent book is because I think my writing has matured a lot. Um, just within the few years between the first and the second one, uh -huh. because I was like actually like studying writing for the first time in my life. Yeah. Um, so those I think are very different changes, but both very like big changes in terms of sort of how my writing, like the tone of my writing, I guess. Uh -huh. And what is your, what is your writing sort of, I don't want to call it a schedule or routine, but when do you, when do you write? Cause if I'm assuming you're now taking more writing classes and yes. so you have to write for those, but when do you do your personal writing or is it all intermingled? It's all intermingled. Um, I don't think I could do writing that wasn't personal writing. Okay. Um, even when I was writing for these classes, it was still about me and it was still personal. Um, And I'm lucky enough that, like, the classes that I was taking and the people who are in those workshops were all very open and honest about their lives. And so it wasn't weird for me to be writing about super personal things. Um, but in terms of, like, how I write, I do try and schedule um, days where I will just, like, sit in the corner of Starbucks or some cafe um, and just sit for five or six hours and just write for just hours and hours on end, no break, and just get down any thought that's happening in my mind. I will write about anything that I'm thinking until I feel like I have absolutely nothing to write about, and then I'll write about the feeling of having absolutely nothing to write about. Like, I will literally just really try and get out everything, no matter how bad it is, especially if it's bad. Like, I, those are really my times to, like, feel free to get out everything that I'm thinking at all and just sort of clear my entire brain. Mm -hmm. um, and then by the end of the day, I will sort of go back through and see like what there is to delete, what I like, what maybe could be saved for later, what is a good idea that I maybe want to expand on. Um, and obviously not everything is good. Most of it is bad. Um, <laughs> but I think that what really helps me in being able to write is understanding that not everything is going to be good and like accepting that like part of the process of making good art is making bad art and like allowing myself to not feel like every single thing I write has to be perfect um, allowing myself to make bad art make cliche art like make like write things that are absolutely awful um, because like you have to write bad things in order to write good things like it just brings you like one step closer to the next like thing you'll like that you actually thing you write that you actually like. Um, but even when I don't have those scheduled writing uh -huh. times, I also find myself really writing anywhere that I get an idea. Like there have been multiple times where I've been taking notes in the middle of class and I will have to flip the page over and just start scribbling down whatever I was thinking about. Um, like it's fun. Like I can look back on my notes from last year and like the bottom half will be like notes about like some novel from the 18th century and then like at the very top margin I have like the outlines for like what is a poem that is in this book right now um <laughs> that's or amazing. I like I I have like been at dinner with my family and gotten an idea in the middle of dinner and like excused myself to go to the bathroom and like written a poem in the bathroom quickly on my phone and then like gone back to the table like really I will write any anywhere and any time that I get an idea. Mm -hmm. um, and so, which is why I always have my phone on me at least. Um, <laughs> I have like the notes app on my phone. I have at least a thousand notes on there 
because anytime I get an idea, it just like goes down. Um, um, so it's really like I do schedule time, but really anytime that I get an idea, I will really stop whatever I'm doing um, right. in order to write it down. Wow. And you mentioned, um, you talked, you sort of hinted at, you know, you don't know, you're so much happier now, you don't know how much longer you would have to take medication or if you would have to take it for the rest of your life. And you, do you have relapses or is it just sort of down days? Um, oh, I absolutely have relapses. Um, I am fortunate enough that like, I'm sort of able to recognize when they're happening mm -hmm. so that it's not as scary. Like I think that a big thing when you are first going through depression or you're going through your first depressive episode is that you have no idea what's happening and you're like, what is happening? I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on. I don't like this. I don't want to deal with it. And you avoid it. And like, it can just make it worse and worse and worse. And I think that I'm very lucky now because I can, I mean, I still think that depression can, not make you see things totally logically and it might take me like a while to recognize it but mm -hmm. I'm I feel like now it's much more like oh I know what's happening because I I like I know how I get when I'm starting to go through like a sort of depressive episode like I I know how it feels and I know what that's like and right. I know that I can get past it so it's a lot less scary and a lot easier for me to accept and sort of face head on when I do experience it. Right. Um, that, that self-awareness is very important. Yeah. Um, um, and even when I don't have the self-awareness, my therapist is sort of there to be like, oh, like I, this kind of sounds like, like exactly what it sounds like. And I'll be like, oh, oh, I can't believe I didn't even recognize that. Um, but um, yeah, I'm lucky that I think that it becomes less scary once you are used to. Mm -hmm. how it manifests and you are very confident in the fact that you can recover from it and you can come back from it. Right. So I have to ask you, what advice would you give to parents who are concerned about their kids? I would say, I know that it's difficult and I know that no, like, you can't force a child to like, you can force them to go to every therapy session. You can drive them to the therapy sessions and you can sit in the waiting room while they are like, um, but I would sit there in total silence for an hour. Like I, I did not want to be there. And I think really the only way, like, I don't know my, I think my advice would be to be open about the things that go on in your life as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that when people feel comfortable talking to me about what they have gone through, it makes me more comfortable talking to them. I think that I've seen it a lot where everyone feels like they're super alone and that no one would understand what they're going through so they don't talk about it. But right. then everyone is going through the same thing and just nobody knows it because no one's talking about it. Um, and I think that, like, if I knew that, like, there were people around me going through the same thing, or not even the same thing, but, like, if I had been told that, like, this was okay, like, um, I think that, I think that, I think it's natural for parents to be scared, and I know that it's really scary, but reacting in a way that makes it seem like what is happening is something really terrible and bad and scary. Mm -hmm. um, would only make it only made me more scared. It only made me less like want to talk about it less because I felt like it was a bad thing. I felt like, like I felt like therapy was almost a punishment for like, um, like whatever I was feeling. And I felt like I had done something wrong. Um, and I think it's important to, and make sure that these these teenagers or middle schoolers like don't know that it's not something wrong or bad or their fault right. um and to sort of 
and make them feel comfortable talking about their lives by talking about your own life and um, make sure that they feel comfort and safety instead of like being scared and anxious and upset and like because you are scared and anxious and upset. Right. Um, that's wonderful advice. We only have another minute or so left. And so I'm, I would like for you to share with all our listeners, and hopefully there's some young listeners out there as well, um, how they can find you and your poems and the books you've written. Um, well, you can find me on Instagram at Poetic Poison. Um, and you can also buy my poetry collections at any Barnes & Noble or Target or wherever you buy books. The first one is called Light Filters In. Um, and the second one, which just came out last month, is called When the World Didn't End. Wonderful. So the Instagram is at Poetic Poison. And I strongly urge everyone to take a look at it. Um, your, your poetry is magnificent. And um, very quickly, can you tell me what your dreams and aspirations are for the future? I know it's a big question, but we've got um, like 30 seconds for you to do it. To stay happy and passionate, excited about whatever I'm doing. I have no idea what my life is going to be like in 10 years. I just want to be doing things that I'm passionate and excited about. That's my goal. <laughs> that's a fabulous goal. And I think that's a great goal for all of us to have. If we could all be that way, I think the world would be a greater place. <laughs> so... Thank you so much for joining me today, Caroline. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Of course. Uh, thank you so much. Good luck with all of the what you have left of college and with everything that comes forward. Um, I am just thrilled to have had you today on Perspectives. I've been talking with Caroline Kaufman. Her story is uplifting, motivating, and encouraging for all of us. Her battle with depression and past traumas and her ability to find healing through poetry is inspirational. So thank you to Caroline for sharing your story with me and my listeners on Perspectives. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel, your host, and I look forward to being back with you next week for another edition. Feel free to email me at drvforkids at yahoo.com with any questions or comments. Have a wonderful week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.